Hello, welcome to the Equippers International podcast short version. We're in the book of Hebrews and we're in chapter one. We have started into this section. It's from verse five through the end of the chapter where the writer of Hebrews picks up and begins to use a myriad of Old Testament scriptures to compare and contrast Jesus to angels. Now, I've already alluded a little bit in a previous episode to the place that angels played in the Jewish religion. They saw angels as a very important part of how God related to man. They saw the angels in this intermediary role. So the Jews held angels in a very high esteem. And the writer of Hebrews goes straight to that Point and he elevates Jesus above the angels. So, what he's going to do in these verses is he's going to use a running commentary of Old Testament scriptures, which would have appealed directly to his readers. He's not just coming up with a new idea. He's reaching back into the Old Testament scriptures and he's pulling out quotations and things to compare and contrast in order to set Jesus in a place higher than the angels. So let's just step through. We've already looked at verse five where he talks about today I have begotten you. And we talked about the importance of the resurrection. We actually spent a couple episodes on unpacking that. So let's move on. In verse 6, he says, And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. So he says that when Jesus was brought into the world, again, this could be a reference to the natural birth of Jesus when he came in the incarnation at the birth, or it could be probably more appropriately be a reference to the resurrection when God brought Jesus into the world. It's interesting that the word that the writer uses for world here is not cosmos, but it's another Greek word that means the inhabited earth. It's a more defined word. It's another word that's used in other places of the scripture to be translated economy. So what the writer is saying is probably through the resurrection of the dead, Jesus takes up a place and a role in God's plan that no angel has ever been able to fulfill or never will be able to fulfill. In fact, he says, when Jesus took up his role from the resurrection as the one who has now overcome death, the one who is now, as we've talked about previously, the one who has taken up a new humanity, the one who births this new man, Jesus takes this highest position in God's plan for the inhabited earth and the angels even have to worship him because he takes up this superior place. Seven and eight is like a coupling. It's like a comparison. First of all, he says in seven and of his angels, he does say who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. He's saying that on one side, the Jews would have believed that the angels were involved with God at a place or at a level whereby they would be linked to God's activity in nature. We have to realize that in the ancient Near Eastern culture, 
all the things that happened in nature were attributed to God. So if there was a storm, if there was an earthquake, if there was some kind of natural phenomenon, then God was responsible for that. And obviously pagans believed that there were pagan gods responsible, but even Jews believed that God was responsible. And they believed that the angels were his messengers. They were his way of getting these things accomplished in nature, so to speak. They were the ones responsible for the wind and the fire. So he's saying, you know, on one level, the angels are responsible for wind and rain and fire, but Jesus is responsible for reigning in righteousness on the throne of God, which is established forever and ever. He goes on in verse 9 to say, You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. Now, in this particular verse, he's definitely beginning to draw a little bit analogy to Jesus reigning and ruling. Now, remember, the context is is that the Jews are getting ready to mount a war against the Romans. And the writers writing this book to remind them that they already have a ruling king. And we know that there's so much to say here about the kingdom of God. I think I'm going to stop here this morning and reserve a little bit of comment for tomorrow's episode and unpack this idea of the righteous kingdom of God because Jesus' reign in the kingdom is not an earthly reign. It's not to be confused with the kingdoms of this world, but it's a heavenly kingdom and a spiritual kingdom. The writer is putting him in a place where he deserves the highest worship. So it's a great reminder for us today to focus and say, Jesus is reigning. He is above angels. He has the highest place. He's above kingdoms of the world. He's above what the rulers of the world do. And it's a constant reminder for us to renew our mind in this truth and to stand firm, to be at peace, and to know in our hearts that Jesus is reigning and ruling, and we can rest in that place. So be blessed, be strong and courageous, and love Jesus more.